At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm? From 1965, it's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more and remember subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week the cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz with, with the savage premium so go to go to glow.fm slash savage premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else thank you very much welcome to the michael savage podcast as we go to press, the news is horrible, just terrible. Headline, 
unexplained attacks inside Russia raise prospect of wider conflict. That means we are inside Russia with special forces or Brits are inside Russia with special forces or the Ukraines are inside Russia with special forces and strikes and explosions have hit infrastructure vital to Moscow's offensive in eastern Ukraine. So these are attacks now inside Russian territory. Unexplained explosions at Russian targets near the border with Ukraine have expanded the war in recent weeks, which underscores Russia's vulnerabilities in these regions. And the fact of the matter is Russia's back is going to get to the war, whether you hate them or you don't hate them. You have to understand Russia is a thermonuclear power. They're not a university college girl group. And the university college girls who are full of hate, who have gotten everywhere in life by threatening everybody and screaming and blowing whistles, are now trying to blow up the whole world. Russian officials said last month that two Ukrainian helicopters entered Russian airspace at low altitudes to evade air defenses and launched a missile attack on a fuel depot in Russia's Belgorod region. You say, oh, that's great. Ukraine's fighting back. Is it great? Well, it's great if you like war. And then, since then, an explosion sparked a blaze at an ammunition depot near the city of Belgorod. Blast reported inside that city. Fires erupted at other oil depots in Russia, including one at a Russian military base. Other explosions have damaged rail lines beyond Belgorod in the province of Kursk and Bryansk. And, of course, Ukraine has denied a role in the incidents. So if it's not Ukraine, it's the United States Special Forces or British Special Forces. Meanwhile, Putin is practicing nuclear strikes and chemical attacks. You don't know this because you think it's wonderful and it's just a video game. Chilling war games on NATO border. What do you think Russia's going to do if they're pushed to the wall? They're going to do what anyone expects them to do. They're going to use tactical nuclear weapons on troop concentrations and on munitions depots. And speaking of munitions depots for the moment, in my last podcast with Colonel McGregor, you'll hear part two today, we predicted exactly what Putin would do. All the weapons that are being sent in by the psychopathic war machine in the United States and Western Europe. Remember what Eisenhower said, beware the military industrial complex. They're in full, full force right now. I said to Colonel McGregor, of course, Russia would blow up the railroad tracks or strike the weapons as they are coming in on trains with cruise missiles. That's just what they did. That's exactly what they've done. So we predicted that they would blow up the weapons we're sending, which, by the way, are older weapon systems. And the military industrial complex wants to get rid of these open, older weapon systems so they can then order more weapons, taking, again, our hard-earned tax money to build more missiles, more weapons, more killing machines, and that's what's going on. So you say, well, Putin's sick, Putin's no good, Putin's Hitler, Putin's this, Putin's that. I don't care what you say. Nuclear World War III is a real danger. The United Kingdom, under this moron Boris Johnson, the United States under this senile lunatic, and God knows who else seem to be intent on war. And that's why we say war and peace today. As the war rages on, I've been saying to you since the beginning that there is more to it than Putin bad Zelensky good. 
I am not ignoring the horrors of this war. I am not apologizing for Putin's actions. But there is much more going on here than the media's attempts to simplify it into a Russia bad, Ukraine good equation. That is not at all what is going on. This is simply not a time for war, especially not our time nor our war. The United States has no reason to be involved in this other than trying to broker peace, which we have not done. All we have done is thrown Coleman lighter fuel on a fire. We have escalated the fighting. We're providing weapons to continue the bloodbath. The world is reeling from how our so-called leaders responded to COVID. And now they've ignited a war in the breadbasket of Europe. Going back to 2014, do I have to tell you how this all started? The war didn't start X weeks ago. It started in 2013 when John McCain went over there and overthrew, through a revolution, a legitimately elected government that was, if you want to call it a puppet of Putin, go ahead, but there was no war. Well, now we have war, outright war. Millions of people have been displaced because of this revolution that was caused in Ukraine. And now we have a war in the breadbasket of Europe. The globalists' power grab has put the entire world on edge, not only of a world war, but a devastating famine that could affect millions of people, which I try to tell you about in my last podcast. Thank God I have hundreds of thousands of listeners. It's still not enough. I realize that if it was about nudity or pornography or sports, I'd have millions, not hundreds of thousands, but I do the best I can. You know, going back to 1999, during the Kosovo air campaign against Serbia, President Clinton told Americans, quote, that's what this Kosovo thing is about. It's globalism versus tribalism. That was Bill Clinton. In 1999, very few Americans, including you, paid any attention to Clinton's remarks. Kosovo was seen as yet another conflict on someone else's soil. No relevance to daily life in America. But Clinton used America's Air Force. He repainted our planes with NATO markings to bomb Serbia, a friendly nation. We could not believe what was going on. Clinton's use of the word tribalism confused many Americans. To most of us, nationalism means devotion to the country. We don't understand what they mean by tribalism because we love America, yet they called us tribalists because we love America. That's what Bill Clinton saw you as tribalist because you love this country because we want to protect and defend the united states and its constitution not start wars clinton was one of the first and largest globalists of modern times and so now we see a war between globalists again that's the source of this war globalism again it's seen in the biden administration's proxy war against russia in ukraine i can put it another way and say globalism is now synonymous with the progressive left's view of the post-war liberal international security order that they think must expand in order to survive. This war you are seeing in Ukraine against Russia is the globalist scheme to transcend the continuity of history, culture, and geography that you know of as the nation state to mix together or homogenize disparate peoples in the process of assimilating rapid social and technological change. Never forget what this is about. The girls who are speaking or whispering in the senile president's ear, 
these girls want to destroy Russia. These girls want to destroy the Orthodox Church. These girls want to bring in the perversion and filth of what you know to be globalism into Russia, which is the last bastion of the Orthodox Christian Church on the planet. These points should be remembered in the proxy war for globalism that is being fought in Ukraine, which does involve national identity. But it's not just two kinds of nationalism, according to Colonel McGregor. It's not just Ukrainian and Russian that are in conflict. Because Washington's brand of globalism, which is disguised in the guise of NATO expansion, directly challenges Russia's national identity and culture. Let's not pretend that this is something else. It is very dangerous to ignore the truth that in Moscow's view, NATO's expansion into Ukraine is linked with the extension of globalism into Russia. And never forget that Washington cultivated Ukraine's war with Russia going back to at least 2013. They harness Ukrainian nationalism, which is the exact incendiary force that globalists claim to loathe nationalism. The globalists use Ukrainian pride and nationalism to serve their cause. They're using the Ukrainian nationalists to push their globalist cause. It worked. It worked. Many of you fly Ukrainian flags now on your lawn. Many liberals who would never be seen dead with an American flag on July 4th are flying the colors of Ukraine. And so now the globalists are, instead of seeking peace, they're provoking more war with more arms, advice, encouragement. In fact, probably special forces on the ground. Ukraine, meanwhile, is being destroyed. Being destroyed. When are you going to learn that in the last 30 years, Washington's emphasis on military assistance and intervention to bring about regime change has taken this nation into conflicts and crises in the Balkans, the Near East, North Africa, and Southwest Asia. We American nationalists are not responsible for the current war in Ukraine or the last 30 years of Washington's self-defeating wars. We've lost every one of them. But you see, my friends, I agree with Colonel McGregor. American nationalists are needed now more than ever to stop this cancer of globalist war that is spreading across not only Russia, but all of Eastern Europe. That is what you are seeing. Michael Savage, a host like no other. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. On Tuesday's podcast... I played the first part of my interview with the great Colonel Douglas McGregor, where we discussed how we need stronger leadership in the United States and a media that can be held accountable, as well as what the truth really is about Putin, Russia and corruption in Ukraine. Well, today we're on to the second part where we talk about why Russia is losing so many generals in combat. It turns out that we learned today that the United States has been providing U.S. intelligence to help Ukraine kill Russian generals. 
headline today, New York Times, the United States has provided intelligence about Russian units that has allowed Ukrainians to target and kill many of the Russian generals who have died in action in the Ukraine war. Ukraine is boasting they've killed about 12 generals on the front lines. Astonishing to military analysts. But this is part of a classified effort by the Biden administration to provide real-time battlefield intelligence to Ukraine. We have the intelligence. We provide it to Ukraine. And we're told that the Ukrainians are killing the Russian generals. I don't believe it. I believe we are killing the Russian generals. Sure, we're providing intelligence, which is part of the flow of U.S. assistance, which is fanning the flames of war, which includes heavier weapons, tens of billions in aid, which we don't have. The stock market is crashing. Inflation is raging. There are no restraints on this insane administration of college girls. But U.S. intelligence in its support to the Ukraines, has had a decisive effect on the battlefield, confirming targets identified by the Ukrainian military and pointing it to new targets. This is actionable intelligence on the movement of Russian troops that America gives Ukraine, which has no precedent in modern American history. And that is why Russia is losing the ground war. And so this battlefield intelligence is no longer a secret. It is an escalation and a provocation of Russia. It will lead to a wider war. American officials are almost boasting about how they have acquired information on Russian troop headquarters for fear of endangering their methods of collection. But we learned through the New York Times article today that the U.S. intelligence agencies have used a variety of sources, including classified and commercial satellites, which trace Russian troop movements. Our defense secretary, the great Lloyd Austin, who's concerned about trans bathrooms on submarines, went so far as to say just last month, quote, that we want to see Russia weakened to the degree it cannot do the kinds of things that it has done in invading Ukraine, unquote. What would we do if an enemy, foreign enemy, said we want to see United States weakened to the degree that it cannot defend itself? Asked about this intelligence being provided to the Ukrainians, John F. Kirby the mealy mouth Pentagon spokesmouth said, we will not speak to the details of that information. But he did acknowledge almost happily that the United States provides Ukraine with information and intelligence that they could use to defend themselves. So we're in this war. And so the intent is to kill Russian generals, by the way. And what do you think Putin will do with the intelligence we're providing, information from the United States about the movement of Russian troops and equipment, which gives the Ukrainians the location of critical targets, gives other NATO allies real-time intelligence, which they provide to the Ukrainian military, new weaponry that is coming in, flowing as fast as it can be built, the smaller version, for example, of the switchblade drone, and now arriving on the battlefield, can be used to identify and kill individual soldiers and could take out a general sitting in a vehicle or giving orders on a front line. We've been giving them this intelligence since February 24th, ahead of the invasion. We have been doing it. This is our war. And we're laughing at the Russians. And the Russians, unlike our generals, will sit on their fat asses in the Pentagon, adding up their consultantships when they leave the Pentagon. Their generals are sent out to the front lines to fight the same way the Israelis use their officers in the front, not in the back. And so we're inflaming the war We're inflaming Putin to the point that he further escalates his attacks. 
Oh, sure, Biden, the senile, has said he will not send American troops to Ukraine or establish a no-fly zone. That's, that's utter nonsense. But the United States and NATO are in this war up to their noses. Fact of the matter is, so far, Putin has shown great restraint. He has not started a wider war. He has not attacked staging grounds in Poland, has he? But what will happen if he does? Here's Evelyn Farkas, another warmonger, the former top Defense Department official for Russia and Ukraine in the Obama administration, and now the executive director of the McCain Institute, says this madwoman, Evelyn Farkas, clearly we want the Russians to know on some level that we are helping the Ukrainians to this extent. We'll give them everything they need to win, and we're not afraid of Vladimir Putin's reaction to that. We won't be self-deterred, said this radical feminist Evelyn Farkas, who came to us from the Obama administration and now runs the McCain Institute. And you think that this intelligence sharing is a safe form of help because it's invisible or deniable? I don't think so. And General Mark Milley, who I don't think has seen a gun in about 50 years, says there's a significant amount of intelligence flowing to Ukraine from the United States, said Milley. We have opened up the pipes. Can you believe what you're listening to? Can you believe what's going on in this world right now? What we should be doing is sending diplomats, not bombs. What we should be doing about Ukraine is stopping our military industrial complex in its quest to prolong this war. But instead, we are doing the opposite. Meanwhile, the harvest, the grain harvest in one of the world's most important grain producing countries is being impeded. It will come to a tragic halt. And as predicted in my last podcast, we will have worldwide famine come next autumn during the normal harvest season. So the so-called U.S. intelligence under the senile, warmongering, bloodthirsty administration is helping Ukraine kill Russian generals and provoking more war. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. Tuesday's podcast I played the first part of my interview with the great Colonel Douglas McGregor. Well, today we're on to the second part where we talk about why Russia is losing so many generals in combat. People don't realize that Colonel McGregor is not only a military man, but he has an MA in comparative politics, a PhD in international relations, relations, which is what we're talking about. International relations. What the hell happened to international relations under Biden? Under Trump, this never would have happened. We all know that it didn't happen. Now we have Arabs at the throats of the Israelis, the Israelis on almost on a war footing again. Middle East is in turmoil. We're at war with Russia in a proxy war, according to every expert who is studying this. Colonel McGregor, can this be say, can this stop madness? Can this can this madness be stopped before an accident occurs? Oh, absolutely. Now, keep in mind, in the Middle East, take a trip to Israel, talk to officers in the Israeli Defense Force and ask them how beneficial our intervention in Iraq has been for Israel. <laughs> you know, we destabilized, we destroyed stability in the region. Mm. We've created, uh, you know, a sort of a permanent bur- uh, fire that burns uncontrollably in, in northern Iraq and southern Syria. The only good news is, uh, I would argue, if we would, were smart enough, we, we would understand this. I think Mr. Putin does, but we don't. The only good news is that the Iranians and the Turks are now at each other's throats 
And if we get out of the way in northern Iraq, I, I think uh, they'll have a very fine time killing each other. <laughs> and as my Israeli friends say, you know, Douglas, when your enemies are killing each other, don't interrupt. And of course, they're right. Now, when it comes to Europe, that's a different different kettle of fish entirely. We, we're now using the Poles, who seem to be delighted with the developments in Ukraine as, as a, an additional battering ram against Russia. We're exploiting all of the old hatreds uh, and sentiments that led to conflict in the region over the last several hundred How years. How did Poland become so deranged? Who's running Poland? <laughs> Well, the Russians would tell you that's a permanent condition in Warsaw. I, I wouldn't go quite that far, but uh, I think the Poles, you know, they have been encouraged by us to take the position that uh, working with us harms Russia and anything that harms Russia must be good for Poland. I, I don't agree with that. And I think that Poland would benefit, as would everybody in Eastern Europe, from trying to get along with their neighbors. But instead of urging people to cooperate and work with their neighbors, we've done the opposite. So we've created a wonderful situation from the standpoint of regional war. We're now we've got people in, in Poland and Romania talking about sending in, quote unquote, peacekeepers oh. to Western Ukraine and Moldova. Oh, boy. Well, that's that's a prescription for a larger, larger regional war. And as I point out to people, if, you know, if this if you push the Russians hard enough, they will mobilize the country for war. Now, are we prepared to mobilize for war, Dr. Savage? America? Yeah. Well, are we'd, we? have to, we'd have to get some new uniforms shirts <laughs> and stuff like that. And then we'd have to retrain everybody to understand how important transgender bathrooms on nuclear submarines might be. And we'd have to refit our nuclear submarines, got a few of the missile tubes and put in some uh, transgender bathrooms. Sure, we'd be ready after a few years. Yeah, exactly. No, we're crazy. The country's gone insane. But I'm worried about the amount of weapons. It's, it's throwing Coleman lighter fuel on a fire that's raging almost out of control. It's going to flare. And I'm terrified at that point, something much worse than we even expect might happen by accident. Yes. No, I think your point's absolutely valid. Now, the key to this entire situation strategically in Eastern Europe is, as always, Berlin. Germany is the giant power. In other words, if you gathered every member of the EU into a room and then you sized them analogously uh, to their real economic potential and power and political influence, Germany would be seven feet tall and everyone else in the room would be five feet tall. But didn't they just agree to Germany just agreed to go along with some of the program of the other countries with regard to Russia? Yes. And uh, let me let me just go over a couple of things on this. First of all, the Germans said, well, we'll ship over something in the neighborhood of 50 anti-aircraft uh, armored fighting vehicles. Well, these things are about 30, 40 years old. There's only 23,000 rounds of ammunition on hand for 50 plus vehicles. Mm. Uh, the, the probability of these things doing anything other than rusting in, in the boneyard over in uh, Ukraine is low. Secondly, uh, when you look at the Germans and their dependence on oil and gas, and they're not unique in this, mm. you know, they're not in a position to wean themselves completely off of oil and natural gas from Russia for many, many years, even if they decided they wanted to. They're talking about making progress by the summer and then the fall. 
I don't see it happening. It's very difficult to do that. You know, this is this snap your finger in favor of combating climate change and everybody rides a bicycle tomorrow morning for perpetuity in perpetuity. That's all nonsense. It's not going to happen. And then finally, you have uh, Schultz now telling everyone the world faces famine because of what's happening in Ukraine and Russia and white Russia. Well, he's right. Hmm. In some areas, there will be famines because they produce so much of the food, wheat, barley and so forth. In Germany, and I was on the phone yesterday with friends in Germany, and they told me that you can't buy cooking oil. Now people are worried about bread shortages. When you say cooking oil, mainly sunflower oil. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I'm an expert in economic botany from years yeah. ago. <laughs> I, I just took off my economic botanist hat. But I mean, well, no sunflower you got, oil. You've got a lot to work sun- with in Germany. 50 you know, percent of it comes comes out of Russia. Right. And and the Germans, you know, they've enjoyed a very high standard of living for a very long time. And all of a sudden they're faced with uh, the loss of this standard of living almost overnight. Uh, Mr. Schultz has got problems. He's got problems with his refugees. There are 10 million estimated eight to 10 million Ukrainian refugees in they're now in, in, in Germany. In, no, no. In, in Europe. Yes. And they're now starting to pour into Germany. The German authorities are, quote unquote, assigning them to apartment blocks. Most of these apartment blocks that they're assigning them to include, in many cases, Muslim refugees. Oh, Lord. So the combination of the Ukrainian refugees with the Muslim refugees is resulting in a spike in criminality. They don't get along. They wouldn't get along very well since people don't realize most Ukrainians are orthodox Christians. Well, the bottom line is that uh, the Germans are faced with serious internal crises. And Mr. Schultz has put himself in a difficult position. He went to see Putin and thought as a result of his discussion with Putin that he could weather the storm. We've found out he can't. And he's adopted this position because of the popular views in Germany that have become a, a reflection of what our views are. Their, yeah. their media produces these Pictures of the Russian army designed to convince everyone that they're like the Soviets in 1944-45. And that's not true. Well, here's another article that I just saw. Disaster for Putin as 10th Russian general killed. Kremlin losing one a week. Now, let's say they are losing generals uh, at a high rate. Isn't that because their generals actually fight as opposed to sit in the Pentagon adding up their 401ks? Yes. Uh, These general officers have been killed by direct fire because they went forward to see the situation for themselves. God. And there is nothing more inspiring for a soldier than to look up and see that next to him on the firing line is a general officer. And if the general officer is killed, that that doubles, triples, quadruples the soldier's commitment to fight. Well, the Israelis lead by example, as far as I know. Yes. Officers, the officers do not sit back in Tel Aviv at a computer terminal as uh, Mr. Austin and his pals do <laughs> and do staged visits to the war zone in a studio in Krakow or wherever it was. They lead by example. So the troops follow them. Yes. Now, again, I, 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 this is easily misunderstood what I am saying. I'm not celebrating the deaths. I'm not saluting the deaths of the generals. But people have to understand why so many Russian generals are dying. And that's nothing that we should be celebrating. It's only going to make them even more committed to winning. Yes, absolutely. Without question. 
So where do we go from here? If you were advising the President Biden, and I know that's just one of the most ludic- ludicrous things I could ever say on this podcast. But if Colonel McGregor were ever called in by this group of um, individuals running this country right now, what would you recommend be done to stop this before it gets worse? Well, the first thing is to uh, urge an immediate ceasefire and that that ceasefire should be preserved uh, and we should convene talks as soon as possible to sort out uh, an agreement that, that we could reach that would meet hopefully the interests or needs of most of the uh, people involved. And that should happen on a neutral on neutral territory. And then we should try to recruit neutral peacekeepers as soon as possible. Where is, where is the U.N.? Well, you know, that question comes up pretty regularly. I remember the and Israelis think, used back in the 70s, the Israelis that I knew said the United Nations are, are like an umbrella that opens when the sun is out, not when you need it. Yeah, no, I think that's true. And, and by the way, what, you, what you're pointing out is you go back to 1973. We were the ones that immediately intervened and said, we have to have a ceasefire and let's set up peace talks. And the Soviets agreed with us. And the outcome, of course, was uh, the treaty between Egypt and Israel, Mm. which has turned out to be one of the most positive developments in in diplomatic history. So is there any reason why we should not be embarked on this right now? Why why don't we see any of this? Instead, Pelosi goes over there with with Schiff and one of the most left wing uh, uh, senators from uh, Massachusetts. What are they doing there? Well, they have convinced themselves, presumably, that Ukraine is this great, this this pearl of great price, this uh, jewel of liberal democracy yeah. and human rights, and that Russia is uh, apparently the opposite. You and I know that uh, that's utter nonsense, that you can find plenty of good and bad on both sides. Uh, and they also seem to think that we we have some interest in destroying Russia. I don't see that destroying Russia benefits us in any way. Can we never have? Russia? Can we destroy Russia? Well, you can if you go to the nuclear level, but otherwise, no, absolutely not. And, and now that Russia has its partner, strategic partner, China, as a backstop, and by the way, India has stepped up and said they, too, are going to support Russia. In fact, if you begin to look at the numbers of nations around the world, yes. it's overwhelmingly in Russia's favor. 50% of the world does not support a Ukraine in this. Yeah. At least 50. And when you say India, you're talking about 900 million people. Yes. For example, people don't recognize that the opinions they are reading in the newspapers in America or watching on news media are not the opinions of most of the world. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered and raw. Look at these headlines. Talk of victory has some allies nervous. In other words, again, Zelensky talks of victory over Russia. That's only going to make Russia prove him wrong. Um Russia uh, state TV simulates nuke strike on Europe in in Russia. More danger than the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yes. Check that one. So just as you and I feared from the beginning, it's getting more dangerous rather than less dangerous. Will it reach a crescendo and stop before the inevitable in your I mean, I'm, I'm asking you an impossible question mm-hmm. to answer because well, you I think this. Should, yeah, but uh, I think it all depends on the Europeans. I don't think we can expect uh, rationality from Washington. Okay. I I just don't. Uh, People are too in too deep 
to uh, in the swamp to to see anything that makes sense. So I think it's up now to Berlin and Paris and and I think Rome and Madrid. Uh, you're not going to see any rationality in London. That's obvious. So th- those are the key capitals. And the rest of the Europeans will generally follow them if they can make up their minds. And I guess much of it really depends on Mr. Schultz. Can he can he backtrack? Can he move out of this Russian hate trap that his own media has created in Germany? Hmm. I don't know. You know, you mentioned at the beginning of this interview, the leftist MIT professor Noam Chomsky made sense. And as, as I said, I, I, everything else he's ever said, I disagree with. I mean, he is a very dangerous communist type in my estimation, but very well regarded in leftist circles. And he said Trump is the one Western statesman of stature pushing peace in Ukraine. That just came out. And uh, he called Trump a dangerous figure for a number of reasons in another interview. But he said that Trump has proposed practical, peaceful solutions to ending the war. And here's what Chomsky said. Well, there's fortunately one statesman in the United States and Europe, a high political figure who has made a very sensible statement about how you can solve the crisis, namely by facilitating negotiations instead of undermining them and moving toward establishing some kind of accommodation in Europe in which there are no military alliances, but just mutual accommodation. Well, the question is, who's listening to Noam Chomsky now that he's talking about peace, not war? Well, if he said anything good about Trump, no one is going to listen to him in Washington. No. Anybody who thinks that the Republicans in the Senate are supportive of President Trump and anything he believes is wrong. Those people are as rabidly anti-Trump as the left. Uh, Look, Donald Trump is a nationalist. What does a nationalist want to do? He wants to protect his country. He wants to secure his borders. He wants to protect his historic institutions and the rights enshrined in the laws of his country. Mm. That's what a nationalist wants more than anything else. Right. The people we're dealing with are not nationalists. There's nothing to be gained by a war with Russia in Ukraine. But if you're a globalist and you see Mr. Putin and China and India and others as standing in the way of your one world utopia, Mm. well, then everything changes, correct? I hear you. Borders, language, culture. It's been my motto since 1994, something that the President Trump certainly trumpeted and certainly certainly something that all national leaders who care about their nation's historical presence uh, and current presence care about borders, language and culture. How do we save Ukraine from a grim fate, says Chomsky, from further destruction? And he said that's the move towards a negotiated settlement. I don't hear anyone else talking about a negotiated settlement. I hear war drums, weapons, fuel on the fire. It's an epidemic of hatred and insanity, unlike I have ever seen in my lifetime. And I'm very worried about it. And I don't have an answer for the question because it doesn't seem to be getting uh, uh, better. The old left of which Chomsky and even Nat Hentoff you know, from the old days belong. Mm-hmm. Uh, were opposed to nation building. They were opposed to interfering in other nations' internal policies. And they believed that the preservation of human life is more important than destroying your supposed enemies. But the new left sees it the other way. They believe in nation building, interfering in other nations, manipulating internal politics, and human life has very little value to the new left under Joe Biden. 
and his gang of mischievous uh, cohorts. Colonel McGregor, any final thoughts for the Michael Savage podcast? There is something morally reprehensible in Washington about asking Ukrainians to die by the thousands in a war Washington is sponsoring, supporting, and prolonging when Washington itself has no interest in putting its own forces at risk. I think that is a horrible, horrible uh, moral disgrace. You know, we are urging people to fight and die in a war they can't win. Mm. And we are doing it because we somehow or another feel we're justified in harming Russia. Well, if we feel that strongly, then take it to the American people and ask them to commit forces. Well, you and I know they won't do that because the American people have no interest whatsoever in fighting in Ukraine. So we have essentially a, a war on the slide, don't we? It's certainly a war. And Joe Biden and his administration will fight to the last Ukrainian in order to prove their point that they could destroy Russia, which has been sort of a uh, bee in their bonnet for a very long time now, uh, going back long before the maiden revolution that John McCain went over uh, to stir up in 2013 or 2014. I don't remember the exact year. So here we are, the globalists versus the nationalists. The globalists clearly control what's left the control of Biden's brain, and they want to get control of Russia's resources through Ukraine. And Ukraine, some would say, is the puppet state created in 2014 by Obama. That's one man's opinion, of course. I don't think I'm alone with that. Do you have any optimism that this will, you know, before I go, I have to go back. I had a guest on last week. I'm sorry, I don't remember her name, but she said that this will allegedly end by May 9th, the day of the victory parade in Moscow. That's what May 9th is uh, seven days from now, six days from now. How can it suddenly end in six days? I don't think so. Do you? Well, the Russians could clearly end it down in the Donbass in terms of uh, annihilating what remains of Ukrainian forces there. Or if they surrender, then that's fine as well. I mean, the Russians are not interested in killing them. They'd rather have them surrender. So from a Russian standpoint, yeah, I think that's probably true. But from our standpoint, no. Uh, Everything is being done to ensure that this insanity continues. Continues. Military industrial complex. Eisenhower. You know, yeah, I, I, I read another, Colonel, I read, and you're a military man again, so forgive me for sounding naive. I read that many of the weapons that are being sent are antiquated, as you just mentioned earlier, some of the black yeah. homes are 30 years old. And what this is going to do is then have these NATO countries that were so benevolent in shipping these old weapons is suddenly demand replacement new weapons from the United States. Is that what you see going on here? Yes. And of course, that's going to be another opportunity for self-enrichment in Washington as we ship to all of the NATO members U.S. equipment. There we go again. There's there's no question about that. But what we don't we're not we've got to take into consideration. Are all of the European leaders sort of disappointing beta males with no guts at all? Or do they actually care about their countries? I'm betting that the Germans are really going to have a come to Jesus moment in the next few months and recognize that they cannot march down this path. I hope it would happen in days or at most weeks. It may take longer, but perpetuating this war in Ukraine has terrible, terrible implications for everybody, not just the states that are 
bordering Ukraine, but for everybody in continental Europe. Colonel McGregor, we both know that come next um, harvest time, which is next autumn, we're going to have massive food shortages in America, in the world. Yes. Headline, can the world feed itself? Historic fertilizer crunch threatens food security. Let's just talk about food for a minute. Farmers all over the world are now realizing that they need chemical fertilizer, the so-called green revolution, which we all forgot about, which vastly increased food production, which uh, vastly increased the world's population because people could eat and not die of starvation. So the yields are coming. They're going to come in low. In Brazil, the world's biggest soybean producer, a 20% cut in potash could bring a 14% drop in yields. That's just one example. Coffee, uh, rice, corn in Africa. We're going to see massive starvation in in Africa, as sure as I'm sitting here. (coughs) But what's going to happen when the fat Americans suddenly can't load up on McDonald's or can't get their beef or they can't get what's the coffee isn't there who are they going to blame putin Uh, no absolutely not we know that that's obvious they're going to blame the left that's in power that's brought this about and that's going to happen in europe as well that's why this last election with macron in france you know the the right in france regarded this as a win why given the enormous increase in the percentage of the population that supported them And they know what's coming. What you've described is on the horizon. That's why Schultz made the statement he did yesterday. The world is going to confront famine. Famine. They they know they know what's coming and they're they want to end this as soon as possible to get back to some degree of normalcy. You mean rational world leaders do? (laughs) Yeah, we're the ones that are holding it up, along with our friend Boris Johnson. Nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. Things people never heard about or knew very little about, except people, let's say, who grew f- some food of their own. Right. Uh, it was only about a century ago, Colonel, as you know, that humanity learned to manufacture mass-produced ammonia-based nutrients. The Haber-Bosch method in the early 1900s, which is still used today to make fertilizer, is what allowed farmers to vastly increase their yields. And now the agriculture industry around the world hinges on man-made fertilizer. Yes. Now look at potash. 50% of the world's potash, if I remember correctly, comes out of Russia. Correct? Well, white Russia and Russia. What is white Russia? Belorussia. Belor is white in Russia. Belorussia. You mean Belarus? Yes. Ah. Fertilizer prices are up 70% from last year year runaway pricing for natural gas it's beyond belief sanctions on a major belarusian potash producer summer storms on the u.s gulf coast that shut production in the region you had covid19 restrictions that have disrupted every global supply chain including chemicals tightening of the physical fertilizer market and suddenly we see on the horizon bad moon rising colonel Bad moon rising come next autumn when the harvests are not here. I can't imagine what's going to happen then. Well, what we know from history is that uh, the French Revolution broke out when the population of Paris could no longer afford to buy bread. I've said a thousand times when people would ask me years ago on the radio, will there ever be a revolution in America? I said, no, not as long as it was still fat. 
there's only revolution when people are hungry. Usually that's the only thing that causes people to revolt. They could put up with almost anything except that. That is the that is the nightmare that Xi in China lives with every day because he knows from Chinese history that every dynastic change involved famine. Well, here we go again. Food shortages under Joe Biden. They can blame Trump, I suppose, when that hits. If Biden's still around and not in the funny farm at that point. <laughs> Colonel McGregor, we're living in a supercharged time of insanity. And it's wonderful to speak with a man so clear thinking as yourself. And I certainly appreciate your time uh, that you uh, take to be with us on the Michael Savage podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And please don't uh, give up the ship. Oh, never. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, I have a boat that I go out on. It's a 20 ton boat. It's a, it's a Grand Banks. So I have a new, a new, a new flag on my mast, on my forward mast, my wind vane. It says, don't give up the ship. Right. So I go out there and I watch that wind, that wind flag blow like that. And I say, Mike, don't quit. Whatever you do, just don't give up the ship. Absolutely not. These are tough times, Colonel. Thank you for being with us again. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. I need to play for you a piece that I did back in 2019 of April, where I talked about Biden's son, Hunter. Ever hear of him? You're hearing a lot about Biden, Hunter, right? Well, in 2019, you heard about it from Michael Savage when he was appointed to the board of a Ukraine energy company in exchange for a billion dollar loan from the U.S. government when Mr. Biden was vice president. The sick, demented, perverted left in America is focused on the scandal of the Trump phone call with Ukraine when the real scandal is one associated with Biden's son, meaning Joe Biden. We also talked about a segment back on May 12, 2014, when I was talking about the Ukraine scandal involving the Bidens back when it was happening. Remember what I'm saying to you. I'm one man, one podcaster, Radio Hall of Famer. I'm playing a piece for you from 2014 about the Ukraine scandal involving the Bidens, 2014, 2014. Never forget who you're listening to. Somebody ought to look into Joe Biden's statement because it was disgraceful where he talked about uh, billions of dollars that he's not giving to a certain country unless a certain prosecutor is taken off the case. So uh, somebody ought to look into that and you wouldn't because he's a Democrat and uh, the fake news doesn't look into things like that. It's a disgrace. It is the Savage Nation. This is the uh, Friday edition. Now, my friends, you have to understand something. There's a real Ukraine scandal, but it really has nothing to do with the president. Once again, the Democrats have stepped into their own trap. People have forgotten the fact that Biden's son, Hunter, was appointed to the board of a Ukraine energy company in exchange for getting a billion dollar loan from the U.S. government when Biden was vice president. That is the scandal within the scandal, which is the true scandal inside the onion that everyone had forgotten because of the vermin in the media who swept it under the rug. But now they're going to say, wait a minute, what's this? The fair minded people now. I'm not talking about the pink hatters. I'm not talking about the 15 year olds who are on medicine who think the world is coming to an end. I'm talking about the vast majority of voters who are trying to figure it all out. who are going to say, wait a minute, what is the scandal they're claiming about Trump now with a phone call? When they start to ask the question and peel away the onion, they'll find out the real scandal is one associated with Joe Biden's son, meaning Joe Biden. 
And so what's going to happen here is very akin to a movie of a number of years ago that I remember. I don't remember the actor in it. He's uh, kind of falsely accused. He's an anti-hero. He's arrested and he's put on a train and handcuffed. And the police are taking him to uh, some prison somewhere set in the Old West, wherever, not the Old West, but I set a number of years ago. So he's in handcuffs on the train with the cops taking him to prison. And the train goes through a tunnel where everything turns black inside the car. When the train emerges from the tunnel, the man who was handcuffed is walking around freely and the cops are handcuffed to the chair. In many ways, this reminds me of Donald Trump right now. These morons keep trying to handcuff him. And every time they try to handcuff him, they wind up with the cuffs on their own hands and he walks around freely. When is this going to come to an end? Maybe never. Now, we will talk today about the real scandal and uh, how it really relates to things. This is all about Biden's son's questionable deals with Ukraine. I'm trying to get to the truth here. The fact of the matter is... The drama that is going on with regard to the Ukraine call by the president, if there was one, is nothing. And if it is something, what it's about is asking Ukraine to investigate Hunter Biden for the payoff. Do you understand that? That's how this is going to come out, because that's the way it is. That's number one. But many of you don't know the details. I do. And I'll tell you why I know the details. Because it's not the first time I've studied this. Back in 2014, I, on this show, The Savage Nation, May 12, 2014, for those of you who don't follow the show as religiously as I do, because it's my show, May 12, 2014, I was talking about the Ukraine scandal right on this program. Listen to it now. Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, has taken a position on the board of directors with a Ukrainian energy producer. In any other time, this would not have been done because people would have a fear that there'd be an indictment or a government would fall. The FBI would investigate. There'd be a press outrage. The opposition party would stop all business on the floor of Congress and demand an immediate investigation as to how the vice president's son could take a job with a foreign power with whom we're supposedly an ally against Russia. Without seeing this for what it is, you are blind. It doesn't matter whether Biden would be a Democrat or Republican. This is cronyism. This is crony capitalism. This is the oligarchy. This is nepotism. In Napoleon's time, it was called nepotism. And Napoleon II, or the third, fell because of nepotism. He had appointed so many of his relatives where so many of his immediate friends and relatives had benefited from his position as uh, the supreme ruler of France, that the government fell because the people rose up. But there are no people in America. Just as there is no England anymore, there's no America anymore. I'm going to move ahead now. According to the Wall Street Journal, Vice President Joe Biden's son, Hunter, and a close friend of Secretary of Hate, John Kerry's stepson, have joined the board of a Ukrainian gas producer controlled by a former top security and energy official for the post president Viktor Yakunovich. That's a quote now. What am I claiming here? I'm claiming right here and right now that the United States has kicked up a civil war in Ukraine to mask a fight over a natural gas pipeline route 
that once it is built will personally benefit family and friends of this administration. This is called cronyism, crony capitalism. This is called nepotism in a polite way, but in a, a more blunt way, it's called ugly. Who was Hunter Biden? Was he picked by the Ukraine because he's a brilliant lawyer? I don't know. He has a name called Biden. His father's vice president. That couldn't hurt. Did you know that Hunter Biden worked with the Clinton machine in the U.S. Department of Commerce? Did you know that Hunter Biden was the Obama campaign bundler, the one of the biggest money guys? Did you know that Hunter Biden helped get his dad elected? There's a lot of money to be made. You see, if they can yank the Ukraine into the U.S. sphere of influence, the biden carry cartel stands to rake in billions of dollars. Barack Obama said in 2008, I will finally end the abuse of no-bid contracts once and for all. He said that in Grand Rapids in October of 08. Obama lied when he said the days of sweetheart deals for Halliburton will be over when I'm in the White House. What he meant to say was those days are over for anyone but my friends. Replace the word Halliburton with Biden. This, the State Department, as corrupt as it is, was challenged on this very topic by the only reporter in the Associated Press I have respect for named Matt Lee. I never heard of him. I want to play for you first the liar, Jay Carney Barker. Jay Carney Barker in clip number one. Listen to this. I was refer you uh, to the vice president's office. I saw those reports. You know, Hunter Biden and other uh, members of the Biden family are obviously private citizens, and uh, where they work is not uh, does not reflect an endorsement by the administration uh, or by the vice president or president. But I would refer you to the vice president's Wait, office. Listen, you listen, you weasel, you. You stinking weasel. You wouldn't get away with this in a democracy. You'd be arrested for this. Of course he's a private citizen. But his name is Biden. He's benefiting from his relationship to the administration. End of story. Liar, liar, liar. Now it gets even better. A reporter, Matt Lee, challenges in clip two, and then the spokesmouth for the State Department again repeats the big lie. Listen to two. Does this building diplomatically have any concerns about potential uh, perceptions of conflict or slash cronyism, which is what you've often accused the Russians of, uh, the, the Russians of doing? Uh, no, he's a private citizen. Again, arrest. Immediate arrest. Citizen's arrest. Immediate. Citizen's arrest. Next, clip three. Do you consider that the Russian oligarchs who control, or the Ukrainian oligarchs who control these, uh, they're, they're all private citizens as well? We certainly right? wouldn't put them in the same no, category. No, I'm not suggesting that. What do you mean you wouldn't put them in the same category? Why isn't Biden's son the same as a Russian oligarch? Because his name is Biden, not Abramovich? Of course they are. It's identical. Then Lee goes on. He doesn't quit. I can guarantee you after this exchange, the AP will move him into the uh, graveyard shift. He will never fly on Air Force One again. Listen to clip four. I'm wondering if there are concerns in this building about the perception of about how the Russians and or the Ukrainians would perceive um, the involvement of a son of the vice president of the United States in, a, in this, especially given the situation. No, there are not. Immediate citizens arrest. Immediate citizens arrest of the spokesmouth. This has got this has gone too far. 
Obama is so drunk on his power, using race to get where he is, using race to stay where he is, using race to push his dastardly policies down our throat, and now this corruption has reached a point of no return. I am outraged. I'm, I'm livid. There's no other word for it. Livid, L-I-V-I-D. This ripoff. It's frightening. Is that it? Well, that was from 20... That's the whole thing. The guys found it for me because they said this is not new to you or your audience. It seems to be new to uh, the websites that are attacking Trump for this, who think that this is a brand new scandal. It seems to be new to those who have no memory of this scandal going back to those days. It seems to be new to those who hate Donald Trump at all costs. It seems to be new to those who don't know history and are condemned to repeat it. There is no whistleblower scandal here. The scandal here is that the American people are so dumb, they don't even know what's behind it. And what's behind it is that Biden's son had a sweetheart deal with the oil company, the energy company, and it was in exchange for a billion-dollar loan from Biden's administration. So you look at John Solomon's uh, reportage of this scandal on The Hill magazine, and you will see the real Ukraine scandal. I have a minute or two to cover this, but I'll give you a little a bullet point on it. U.S. banking records show that Hunter Biden's American-based firm, Rosemont Seneca Partners, LLC. You want some facts? John Solomon got them for you. If you think we only speak in generalities here on this shock jock radio show. U.S. banking records show Hunter Biden's American-based firm, Rosemont Seneca Partners, LLC, received regular transfers into one of its accounts, usually more than $166,000 a month, from Burisma, which is the energy company, from Burisma, from spring of 2014 through fall of 2015, during a period when VP Biden was the main U.S. official dealing with Ukraine and its tense relations with Russia. Prosecutors identified Hunter Biden, business partner Devin Archer, and their firm, Rosemont Seneca, as potential recipients of the money. What happened after that? The prosecutor was fired in Ukraine as a result of pressure by the Obama administration. Mark my words, before this is over, the handcuffs that they are trying to slip on Trump's wrists will wind up on someone else's wrists. At the end of the day, I'm telling you what's going to happen here. They brushed this, they swept it under the rug. Everyone forgot about it. But now, because they're trying to lay it at Trump's doorstep, people are going to say, well, what? I'm talking about intelligent people who are asking questions. They're going to say, what is this really all about? And the minute they start to peel away the onion, they're going to really find out about the corruption of Joe Biden. That's what they're going to find out. Now, it's so bad that we even have a clip of Biden boasting that he threatened the prosecutor, Poroshenko, and got him fired for looking into this scandal. I want to leave you with the bottom line on the scandal within the scandal. The real Ukraine scandal is that Biden's son was appointed to the board of a Ukraine energy company in order to bring them a billion-dollar loan from the U.S. government, and that was when Biden was VP. That's the bottom line here. And what's important for you to know is that this was swept under the rug, even though it's been boiling under the surface for a while. The... Uh, wonderful, distinguished people in the media like Wolf Blitzer and Jake Tapper and the other distinguished individuals of the human mind completely threw this one away so you wouldn't pay any attention to it. 
but now it's come up to haunt them because of this scandal so-called about someone in the NSA or someone in an intelligence agency was snooping on the president's phone call. Think about that one, by the way. Think about that. If they're snooping on the president, does that mean they're snooping on you? You betcha. As I speak to you, every call that you make, every phone call you make is being listened to by some sneaky piece of garbage somewhere deep in the halls of the uh, deep state. I just assume it. I curse them out every time I make a call. Every time I make a call, I say, listen, who's ever listening to me, drop dead. I hope you get cancer of the heart. And now let me continue the conversation. Whoever is listening in on my phone calls, I don't care if you're 22 years old and went to Harvard, you should die of cancer for what you're doing because I don't like living in the in a spy state. You got to fight back. You got to understand that it takes it takes anger to fight back. Don't be afraid of your anger. They're not afraid of their anger and their hatred. You can meet them head on with yours. And what's going on here is that Trump is so strong they're not going to get to him. He will slip the cuffs they're trying to put in his hands. And when this train comes out of that dark tunnel, I'm telling you as I stand here, those cuffs are going to be around somebody else, but it won't be him. He knows that, too. He's more confident than he's ever been. A friend of mine emailed me this morning, just before the show, Dr. Sarfati, and he said, I was just watching Fox News before your show, and they were interviewing President Trump, and he paraphrased your statement about the mark of a good swordsman is he who does not pull his sword. I said, wow, that hot dog was good, Jack. It sure tasted good on that plane. So as I say to you, the simple things become the non-simple things uh, all the way up and down the line. And wisdom is wisdom. And they, and uh, it has a way of translating into different uh, ages. Before we take our break, I'd like to play something that I'm sure you will understand why I'm playing it. Will you please play clip four? It's a partisan whistleblower. Uh, I shouldn't even have information. Uh, I've had conversations with many leaders that are always appropriate, always appropriate, at the highest level, always appropriate. And anything I do, I fight for this country. I fight so strongly for this country. Uh, it's just another uh, political hack job. That's all it is. That's all it is. Listen to this. The president doesn't have the right to talk to a leader of another country. Have you ever heard this before? How many leaders of other countries did Obama talk to publicly and privately? How many foreign elections did Obama meddle in directly and indirectly? You wouldn't know much about it, but I do. Michael Savage, a host like no other. So again, the war rages on. Things are getting worse, not better. We're not sending diplomats. We're sending bombs. Putin is practicing nuclear strikes, chemical attacks. We're provoking attacks inside Russia. U.S. intelligence is helping Ukraine kill generals. And I'm talking about war or peace. What is it that you leftists want? You want war, don't you? All of you who hate guns want guns to go to Ukraine. All of you who hate war want war in Ukraine. Meanwhile, here in America, over abortion, violence, unrest. The Pope even came out. Lenin's Pope even came out and called for peace, which was shocking. This is the Michael Savage podcast, unlike any other you will hear in the world. And now finally, on an earlier podcast, we played part one of my interview with one of our major sponsors, Philip Patrick's from Birch Gold. In these crazy times, boy, do you need gold. And we talked about the advantage of investing in gold to help with combating the coming recession, inflation, and God knows what. We're now going to play part two of this incredible interview 
from my number one sponsor, Birch Gold. And believe me, I would not talk about it if I didn't think you, should, you shouldn't invest. I have and you should. Now is the time for you to do something. You can get it no cost, no obligation, an info kit, simply by texting SAVAGE to 989898. No cost, no obligation. You get an info kit sent directly to you by texting S-A-V-A-G, that's my name, SAVAGE, to 989898. Just text SAVAGE to 989898, and you get a no-cost, no-obligation info kit and decide for yourself. The bottom line is, for the people listening to this podcast, is, okay, I heard it all, Michael, great. Now what should I do? I mean, yeah, here's the pitch. What should they do? What should they do? Buy? Should they buy gold bullion gold coins what what does your company offer honestly what are you really selling well so first of all we can help people we only deal with physical precious metals we're not dealing with any paper versions here huh. yes. oh that's a big deal you, you're not selling an investment in a gold company no or we a gold also- mining company no no okay. no it, it's the tangible commodity which for times like this and yes. the, you know, the more extreme we're talking about hard currency here so that's first of all i think the most important thing we can help people who are either purchasing with cash you know you've got some cash sitting in the bank account losing to inflation you can purchase physical metals we can ship those metals directly to uh, the customer or a lot of people have their wealth sitting in iras 401ks in mm-hmm. tax deferred vehicles we can assist in rolling over any portion of those accounts no tax implications no penalties and buying physical metals in terms of what people should buy, whether it's coin or bar, it really depends on the individual. Everyone's different. Some people, you know, coins are more suitable for others' bars. But we have at Birch all of the options available, widely recognized government minted coinage, uh, minted coinage as well as investment grade bars and rounds. We have account managers there that can talk through all of the options with the customer. But at the end of the day, the customer chooses what's best for them. Well, okay. So before we go, let's say the average person listening says, well, how do I know it's really good stuff? In other words, you know, there's a lot of fraudulent operators out there. Honestly, that's why I chose Birch Gold. I don't have any other gold advertisers and I want my people to understand that this is the only gold company that I trust right now. And uh, you support this podcast, which is important for them to know. And I'm not asking them to support you because you support the show. I'm asking them to support themselves by investing some of their uh, holdings in gold. I personally would suggest gold coinage in different denominations because it's something that's tradable. It, it, you know, God forbid there's an economic collapse. You have a, a one ounce coin, you have a half ounce coin, right? Quarter ounce. What what sizes do they come in? And and by the way, they're not just made up coins. I mean, these are government manufactured, right? U.S. Eagle, Canadian. Yep. Is it the Canadian uh, maple leaf? Maple Leaf, and then there's yes, the sir. Austrian something or other. What is that one? Philharmonic, the Austrian Philharmonic. <laughs> the Austrian, yeah, exactly. I had some of those. I never knew what they were. Uh, what is the best one? Are they all equal? They're all good? If- Look, they're, they're all a little bit different. Uh, I wouldn't say there's a best one, if you will. The key is that they're all widely recognized government-minted coinage. They're legal tender. Ah. Uh, that's that's the key here. Um, look, the American Eagle comes in many different denominations, one ounce, quarter ounce, half ounce, and one tenth ounce, oh, as wow. small as that. 
Um, so there are a lot of options there. there. There are differences. People have different preferences. Some people say, hey, I want the American Eagle. It's American, right? Other people say, look, I like the purity of the maple leaf more than the eagle because the mm. maple leaf's a little purer than the eagle. So everyone's a little bit different. But what I always say is as long as you're sticking to the very widely recognized stuff, you mm. can't go too far wrong uh, is my feeling there. So bottom line is how does somebody, let's say a guy says, okay, I want to put X dollars into gold. What do they do? Listen, it all starts with information. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, you contact us. We have all of the information available for your listeners. I think they text SAVAGE to 989898 to get that information. What is Everything- that again? Let's make sure we get that number out correctly. Of course, it is SAVAGE to 989898. What does that mean? Because there's a lot of people don't even know what, what that means. You text a number or you... So you text the word savage to the number 989898. That's going to come straight through to us. You can request our very detailed investors information kit. It's more than 20 pages. It explains everything about precious metals, how to get started. Everything starts with information. There are a lot of um, precious metal specialists like myself at Birch that are there to walk people through step by step by step the process how it all works so we're here to help but information is the best place to start and from there you know that's how you make decisions from an informed perspective philip you're with birch gold and you've given us a number to text to is there a phone number is there a a a website some people would rather go there absolutely um so the phone number to reach us directly is 800-355- Two one one six again. That's eight hundred three five five two one one six. Or you can go direct to our website, which is um, at uh, well, it's the Birch Gold, and that's B I R C H G O L D dot com. Again, www dot dot com. I wish it said slash savage so I get the credit for all my listeners. That's, that, that's why I'm telling people to text savage to 989. <laughs> that way you know if, if it's me sending them to you. And then they should know that I want the credit for it because we, we appreciate your advertising Absolutely. dollars here. This is how we stay in business. This is not a hobby. No. People don't understand everything costs money. And although the podcast is free, there's no such thing as a free podcast or a free lunch. And we need advertisers like Birch Gold. But I wouldn't have you on if I didn't believe in the product. This is not some hair gel. This is not something that people really, to me, it's a fundamental need and a requirement. And I recommend that they do go to that text number or call 800-355-2116, 800-355-2116. And I will let Philip, the expert, give us the text number again. Of course. So it's, we got to text the word savage to 9898. Nine eight, you'll get direct access to our investors guide, which will really, really help people gain the knowledge they need to ultimately take the steps and make the right decision. Well, these are volatile times, and as I say to me, gold is a survival currency. It's as good as survival food. Many people have survival food in their closets, or they should, by the way. I think they should have survival currency somewhere as well. And I really appreciate. Uh, you're coming on the show. Any uh, final words, Philip, for the uh, listeners of the Savage Podcast? 
Look, Dr. Zavid, first of all, thank you so much for having us. It's our honor. And look, I just want to reiterate what I said before, and that is that, you know, information is key. Gaining the knowledge about what's happening, the climate in front of us, that's the most important first step, because once you have that knowledge, the solutions will present themselves. And as tough as times are today, and they are, Mm. As long as you are preemptive, you hedge yourself, mm. you can weather the storm. Um, it, 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 it's easy to do. It's just about being decisive and getting the knowledge. And that's why shows like this are so important, right? Because they provide people with real information that allows them to make the right decisions. Well, we're living in volatile times and people need something to hold on to. And as I've said before, it's as good as gold, which has been used since ancient times for very good reason. It hasn't changed in its valuation. And all I know is when China has its currency backed in gold and Russia has its currency backed in gold and we have our currency backed in quicksand. To me, it's a very simple solution that everybody should have some birch gold somewhere in their life, whether it's a safety deposit. By the way, before you go, where would let's say somebody buys a few thousand dollars worth of gold or ten thousand or two thousand. Whatever. Where would they put coins? Where would you recommend they put their coins? Look, it depends on the individual and their comfort level, right? So usually one of three things is what our customers will do. First of all, they'll take possession, right? Maybe they get a safe at home. Maybe they hide it somewhere secure. Um, gold is not cumbersome. You can put a million dollars worth of gold in something basically the size of a shoebox. So it's easy to store. Wow. How? In a shoebox? Yep. Yeah, gold and silver is a different story. Silver, a million dollars of silver needs almost a shoe store to store. But uh, <laughs> the gold is is dense and very valuable. So that's one option. Other people will put some in a safe deposit box. Yeah. That happens. Or we can always arrange storage within, let's say, a Brinks facility where the metals are held there mm. fully insured. But oh. it depends on the individual. For that worst case scenario currency, most people want that portion on hand. But they want like it I said, in, the, in their in their hidden area somewhere in their closet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Philip, thanks very much for being with us. And I want you to say thank you for me, please, to all the guys and women at Birch Gold. I really appreciate you supporting the Michael Savage podcast. Thank you, Dr. Savage. We appreciate you and all the work that you do. So thank you for having us. All right. We got your attention. Now is the time for you to do something. You can get it. No cost, no obligation an info kit. Simply by texting SAVAGE to 989898. No cost, no obligation. You get an info kit sent directly to you by texting SAVAGE, that's my name, SAVAGE, to 989898. Just text SAVAGE to 989898, and you get a no cost, no obligation info kit and decide for yourself. Again, text SAVAGE to 989898. Thank you for listening. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com 
for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.